0: Pastor Xavier Reese with an enlightening look into the misplaced faith of idol worship. The idols of men possess no power or
1: ability to do anything in and of themselves in this world. And those who worship the idols become just like them. They have eyes, they can't see. They have ears, they can't hear. They have hands, they can't handle. They have feet, they can't walk. And those who worship them become just like them. Deaf, blind, dumb, and
0: crippled. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We can spot a painter because he paints, a teacher who's teaching. But how do you know a Christian when you see one? Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his study series in the book of 1 Corinthians, he takes us to the fundamental responsibilities necessary for Christians to be effective in their everyday lives. Let's join him now for today's important simple truth. The Corinthians were
1: very prideful, as you know, with human knowledge and wisdom, and they were deceiving themselves, thinking they were spiritual, uh, revealing their inability to judge anything properly. In chapter 1, they were unable to make the proper judgment about party divisions, which contradicted the nature of the church. In chapter 2, they were unable to make the proper judgment that the gospel saves men, not the excellency of speech of man— God does this by the Holy Spirit, the conviction. In chapter 3, they were unable to make proper judgment that they were carnal instead of spiritual as they got caught up with the importance of different men, not seeing each of them as a benefit to the whole of the body. In chapter 4, they were unable to make the proper judgment that every man is a steward of God and will be judged for their service, the motive of their heart. In chapter 5, they were unable to make the proper judgment about sin of incest inside the church to remove that individual while God would judge those immoral people outside in the world. In chapter 6, they were unable to make proper judgment that related matters of life. They were going to court against each other. In chapter 7, they were unable to make proper judgments in their service to Christ as married people and giving each their divine right and their conjugal rights of sexuality, thinking they would be more spiritual if they withheld each other and the whole concept of service to Christ, single or married. They were unable to make these judgments. Now, they were unable to make the proper judgment related to the eating of meats offered to idols in view of their relationship to Jesus Christ. This topic is dealt with much detail here in chapter 8, 9, and 10, the three chapters. They are a unit, all three of them, which in principle can be applied to many gray areas of our life that are not really put very specific in Scripture. But by principle, we know whether we should or we shouldn't, or whether we can or cannot, or whether we should be allowed to or not to. They're gray areas. They're not always black and white. So chapter 8, 9, and 10 is a unit. Now the principle of Christian liberty in the eating of meat sacrificed to idols is love for others. We're going to see this in chapter 8. The personal responsible example of denying one's Christian liberty through love then is exemplified by Paul as he refuses to take wages having the right to do so in chapter 9. And then the perversion of the Christian moral liberty and love, and for love's sake, is Israel in the wilderness as God judges Israel in chapter 10. So the three go together. The key verse of the entire section is in chapter 10, verse 21. Let me read it for you. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. This is always the difficulty in Christian life, making sure that you're living like a Christian while living in the world, but not of the world, having liberties here, there, but making sure you don't cross those lines to stumble others or yourself being pulled back into the world. They're not always as clear. Now, we're not talking about straight, black, and white. You can't be living with your girlfriend, boyfriend. You can't be blowing pot stuff like that. That's simple, okay? So Paul presents the principle of Christian liberty, love, in view of eating meat, sacrificed to idols, and it's characterized by three problems. Let me read here chapter 8. Now, concerning the things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol until now eat it as though things offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brothers stumble, I will never again eat meat. Lest I make my brother stumble. The principle of Christian liberty is love. Eating things, sacrifice idols is characterized by the three problems. Here they are. First, the problem with knowledge, verse 1 through 3, knowledge is inferior to love. Secondly, 4 through 8, the problem with people, knowledge is not equal with all people. And then, verse 9 through 13 the problem with exercising our liberty. Knowledge is destructive without love. Let's begin here, the problem with knowledge. Knowledge is inferior to love, verse 1 through 3. Notice verse 1, the apostle Paul declared he was going to answer their questions about offering idols. Now concerning things offered to idols. The phrase now concerning is used as as the preface for the questions they had asked Paul. The Greeks had many societies, as you know, in clubs, such as burial societies, political societies, religious societies. These uh, pagan societies, be they political, societal, or religious, were all tied with idol gods, which sacrificed and worship these idols. The Corinthians were Gentiles. They're coming out of this background. There were different views about a Christian partaking of these meats that had been sacrificed to idols and now sold to the butcher shop, the marketplace, and you go buy it, and we'll deal with that at the end, okay? But this is the scenario. Can I I eat that meat? Okay? Notice in verse 1, the apostle Paul declared a general statement admitting they had a common grasp about idols, Paul came to the Corinthians and called them out to repent. From what? From idols. Both were aware of the sacrifices dedicated to the various gods, and the the meat was sold again in the marketplace, and then it was sold to common people. 1 Corinthians 10.25 will show us that. So the best place for the best meat was the marketplace. Where would it come from? The pagan temples. The Corinthians and Paul knew the sacrifices were really to demons. 1 Corinthians 10.20 tells us. They understood this. Now, notice the Apostle Paul declared the contrast between knowledge and love. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So Paul points out the potential problem with knowledge. He told him, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge often causes people to be arrogant rather than humble. It is deceptive, causing men to think they're superior to others. The evidence in the first four chapters marks the prideful boasting of the Corinthians the trust is human knowledge and wisdom as opposed and inferior to the knowledge and wisdom of God. And Paul rebuked them, first four chapters. Human knowledge is egocentric, focused on you. Divine knowledge is theocentric, focused on God. And there's the difference. Being born again now, our, our transfer has been from the horizontal to the vertical. The world revolved around us, me especially, Then others. Now with the vertical, it's God and then others. Me last. What a difference. Now notice he gave them a vivid picture about the problem with knowledge. The phrase puffed up means to blow up, to inflate, to swell. Today we say he has a big head. He thinks he he knows everything. The word appears seven times in the New Testament. All but one are used to refer for the pride and carnal state of the Corinthians, In chapter 4, in chapter 8, the only positive one is in chapter 13, verse 4, where agape love is not puffed up at all, but everything else is negative towards them. Now, he stated this in the context of things sacrificed to idols, so keep it in the context, okay? There were those Corinthians who thought they knew perfectly about the issues of offering things offered to idols, pro-cons. As for Christians, they had it all wired. It was very neatly packaged. Then there were others who were not so sure. They weren't sure about the consequences, and even if a Christian could partake of these things, I don't know. Again, these are greater areas that that you have people on both sides, okay? Notice Paul pointed out the potential benefit on the flip side of the coin of love. He says, Love edifies. What a contrast. Again, the word love here is agape. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. The most simplest, most direct definition of agape love, God's love is giving. Giving, sacrificially. Not considering self. Wow. It's used to identify the God, the love that God should have brought in our hearts in Romans 5 5 and in Galatians 5 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Agape. So notice he gave them a a vivid picture also about the benefit of agape love. The word edifies means to build up, to erect or restore, depending on the context how it will be used. The contrast between mere knowledge and agape love is marked by the word but. Very, very clear. Knowledge inflates one's head of self-perception of who I am, while agape uses knowledge to serve others. And there's the tension between the new man and the old man. The old man's always pulling me. The world is pulling me. Satan's pulling me. And I have to hold the mark. I have to stay within the yard. You understand? Agape love is to be the motivation for all that a Christian does. You see, the Corinthians were acting out of pure knowledge regarding the things offered to idols here. Uh, Perhaps in a very dogmatic way without consideration of love for those who did not quite see it their own way, and they were looking down on them and not really building them up, so the knowledge is okay, but but love has to come alongside. Look at verse two, the apostle Paul declared a sharp rebuke to those who thought they knew all about the things offered titles, and if anyone thinks That he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. Paul was not denying general knowledge, only that it is a small portion of all that can be known. Don't miss that. The perfect active tense here, to have known, indicates full and complete knowledge. No one has this. Stop and think about it. What is it that you know best? What is it that you are hot in? You got it? Okay, now how much do you know about all that can be known? about that particular subject or area. You're a (laughs) pygmy. And so am I. And that's the idea here. No man has this. Paul was saying that when a person gets to the place they think they know everything there is to know about any one thing, they know nothing. He literally says, nothing he has known, indicating What the man believed he knew, he did not know. The result is ignorance by thinking one knows while one didn't know. It's just like you go hiking and you're having a great time. Now you're lost, but you don't know you're lost yet. But you're lost. But then when you find out you know you're lost, then you freak out. But you didn't freak out until you knew you were lost. You were just ignorant you were lost, but you were just as lost when you were ignorant as when you knew It's amazing. Look at verse 3. The apostle Paul commended those who were acting out of God's agape love rather than just knowledge. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. Paul points out the person who loves God here. He makes the sharp contrast again by the word but to the one who is self-inflated by knowledge. In verse 2, and the one who will use knowledge for the good of others. In verse 3, he indicates anyone, the potential is for all. We have free will. We are born again. All who yield to God's God-beloved will be concerned about others. The warfare is on. The tension is on, but it's always a choice. The source is God, notice, not the person. When they ask Jesus what the greatest commandment, the lawyer he told the lawyer, he says, Love the Lord thy like God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbors yourself. And these two lie all the commandments, the vertical or the horizontal. The vertical is the source, not the horizontal. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Notice Paul points out that the consequence of loving God, the person is known by God. He states here that God alone knows the motive of the heart. He's the only one. Again, the word known here, gnosko, means full and complete knowledge. Now he uses full and complete knowledge by the tense because only God has that. No man has this. God sees them as genuine persons, his own, even as Paul says in Galatians 4, 8, 9, or rather are known by God. God is omnipotent, and all-knowing, all-powerful. I mean, He's omniscient, all-knowing. There's... He cannot learn anything. He's never surprised by anything or anyone. Now I am, but not God. Do you think God was surprised when Adam and Eve fell? He knew it. The problem with knowledge is that knowledge is what? It's inferior to love. It's not illegitimate. It's not wrong in itself. But without love, we may run a tight ship. But those on board wish it would sink. Notice, secondly, verse 4 through 8 the problem with people. Knowledge is not equal with all people. In verse 4 and 6, the Apostle Paul identified the mature believer in relationship to the knowledge of things offered titles. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, he says. Paul specified the problem, the eating of things offered to idols. Keep it in context. Now, some people always try to pull in Romans 14. Now, we could, we'll use it in principle, but chapter 14 of Romans is legalism. Those who say you should eat vegetables over meat. That's a different topic than here, okay? That's legalism. This is gray areas we're talking about here, okay? The eating of things offered meant a person became one with the deity. The sacrifice was offered in the name of the deity. The devotee became one with that deity. They knew knew this. That sacrifice was given. Part of it was taken by the devotee. The other one to the priest, the heathen priest. And then when he got done with it, he sold it to the market, to the butcher shop. (laughs) Notice Paul stated the truth about idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. The mature Christian understands an idol implies religion, not a personal relationship. Now, when all of us were in religion, we just thought that was everybody has their own, it's good. But now we're Christians, we realize religion is really just something that men hang on to to try to please God or to assure some kind of benefit after death if they believe in that. But it doesn't bring relationship with the living God. He stated the true nature of idols. Don't miss it. The idols of men possess no power or ability to do anything in and of themselves in this world. The mature person acknowledges that the idol is but stone, wood, metal, the work of man's hands, insensate. And, and those who worship the idol become just like them. They have eyes, they can't see. They have ears they can't hear, they have hands they can't handle, they have feet they can't walk, and those that worship them become just like them. Deaf, blind, dumb, and crippled. Wow. Now, the majority of us come out of Catholicism. We can identify idolatry at this principle here, at this point. I mean, we did everything. We had the virgin for this, the virgin for that, this saint for travel, this saint for that, and, you know, and, and we put our scapula around, we put our rosary around, we make the sign of the cross, even the long one, and we splash holy water, anything we can. And we, then we carried a rabbit's foot and put a horseshoe in the back pocket. I mean, we just want to cover everything, you know what I mean? So we can identify the pagan practice here, you understand, in principle. Now, notice Paul stated the truth about God. And that there is no other God but one. He points out that there is only one God. Simple. Before they believed in polytheism, many gods, some still did. There was a witness there in Corinth. Those maturing Christ are not led by ignorance any longer. God's word reveals what is truth, comparing all things to the Bible. God's word produces confidence about truth, Acts 17:11. We search the Scriptures to find out if those things are so. And so when we come to Christ, we grow in the knowledge of Christ through the Word, and it dispels all our superstitions, all our doubts, all our stupidity, because we run everything through the Word of God. Simple. Those mature in Christ are not led by superstition. They had come to the true and living God. They had a living relationship with Jesus Christ. So I, as a Christian now, I don't worry about, you know, people that can put hexes on me and curses and all that, or uh, all that is bogus. Greater is Jesus to me than he's in the world. I'm a child of God. Look at 5 and 6. Paul stated the belief as a reality of the religious world. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, so he acknowledges the devotion to other gods and lords. That's a reality in the world. Again, being with a background of Catholicism, you have your little saint. You have your little virgin. You use your medals. You travel with them, your scapular, your rosary, whatever it may be, right? Sometimes you see these gangster guys, and they're out there with their and they got a rosary on it, just in case. <laughs> the reference to lords. Is to the ownership of their lives by those gods. And people are devoted fervishly. People do pilgrimages in pagan countries Mexico, Central, South America, the Philippines. Climb up on their knees to mountains with cement sacks on their back to afflict themselves that God might answer a prayer when they get to the top to light some candles and make the request. Do you think they're kidding? They're dead serious. Look at 6. Paul stated the specific belief, the reality of the mature believer. He points out that for the believer there is only one God. Yet for you, there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for Him. The word yet marks the contrast again between the pagan and the Christian. This comes from the Shema of Israel that's repeated, that was repeated twice a day, in the morning and the evening. The Lord our God is one. It's still repeated today in Israel. When we were there in Israel morning and evening, they they read it out. (laughs) Now, notice the Father, who is the source of all things, who is not confined to heaven and earth like the pagan idols. He is omnipresent. And then he points out that for the believer, there's one Lord and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. The Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah, Master, of yours in my life.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, with a simple reminder about the importance of love in our Christian walk. Now, if you've missed any part of this important study or wish to pass it along to a friend, you can request a copy and it's simply titled Knowledge Without Love is Destructive. It's available on CD for just $4, which, by the way, contains much more of the presentation that we just didn't have time for on the air. So once again, the title you want to ask for is Knowledge Without Love is Destructive. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. As citizens of the United States, we enjoy a liberty to make decisions for ourselves that not everyone in the world has. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese continues his study of 1 Corinthians by examining the liberties afforded the citizens of God's kingdom, an important study I hope you'll be along for.